the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. If we know the word of God and we hide the word of God in our hearts and in our minds, we will behave scripturally. And, and, and we can't simply say, okay, yeah, well, you know, I, I, I fellowship with other Christians, but we disagree on this particular issue as to how Christians ought to behave. There shouldn't be. I mean, I can give many, many examples. But you know what? When the Bible calls something sin, we need to be unified in saying, yes, we all agree that this is sin. Okay? There's no such thing in Christianity, and I know I'm going to get in trouble for this, okay, as pro-choice Christians. There shouldn't be anyone who call themselves followers of Jesus and say they're pro-choice when it comes to understanding human life or where it begins. Oh, you're being so radical. You're being so this. You're being so that. But you know what? We cannot afford to accommodate each other on issues that we clearly know the Scripture says is sin. That's just one example. Our demeanor, our behavior, uh, how we engage the world should be in harmony with one another. Okay? Uh, it, it, it's not to be legalistic in a sense that, hey, we're laying down the law, right? I mean, I'm not saying, oh, if you attend Living Rock, you can't do this, you can't do this, you can't do that, you can't do this. You know, we're not about that. We're about teaching the scriptures and explaining to people what God has already said. You know, uh, there's, a, there's a pink elephant in every sanctuary in every church, and that is 85 to 90% of those proclaim to be Christians and attend church services really do not read or understand the Bible. How can we behave and believe the same way if we don't have a final arbiter on those beliefs and behavior? And our final arbiter is the Word of God. That's, who, that's what we have right now. And I believe, personally believe, that God has preserved His Word so that we can look to it to help us, number one, understand what to believe and how to behave. And if we insist on saying, oh, I can, I can be in a church, I can be part of the body of Christ and not know anything about the scriptures, and then how, how can the Spirit of God really move us to make us relevant in the world that we're living in? I mean, it's really just it's an impossibility, okay? Uh, having said this, I mean, there's always a danger of people saying, well, you know, you're too legalistic or you're too stringent and all of that. Uh, nothing of the sort. Y you'll never hear me condemn anybody uh, because they disagree with me on some things or whatnot. What I'm fighting for is that we call the Word of God our arbiter because the Holy Spirit, guides us and leads us 
not into new revelations, but in the revelation that we already have. The Holy Spirit is not going to tell us something new today that he hasn't already told the Apostle Paul and the disciples back 2,021 years ago. I just don't believe that that's true. I just don't believe that we can com come up with new doctrines today, new ways of believing, new ways of understanding who Jesus is, kind of trimming a little bit all of the things that we believe as Christians for centuries and say, well, you know, you need to toss that aside. You need this narrow road that you're talking about, Pastor. You need to expand that a little bit to include all these other beliefs and all of these other people who may we may not agree with them 100%, but you know, guess what? In the, for the sake of love and for the sake of peace, let's go ahead and just bring them all in. I don't think so. I don't think that's what church harmony talks about. I think the Holy Spirit binds us together. I think the Holy Spirit binds us together in love, in grace, and in truth. Jesus came full of grace and truth. And that's what the Holy Spirit brings to our forefront. Anytime there's a teaching, anytime there's an experience, we need to look at it from the perspective of what God has already said. And if we fail to do that, you know, we can come up with all kinds of doctrines and start churches. Literally churches that's not have the fidelity of the word of God. Now you can get mad at me saying that. But I'd rather risk, you know, us uh, having discussions and look to the scriptures rather than just say, okay, well, you know, you believe in Jesus that's, that's, that's all that matters. No, there's got to be harmony inside the body of Christ. We can't afford to be bowing down and saying, okay, you know, some other Christians are believing in this. Why, why shouldn't we? There are conservative Christians, yes, and now there are progressive Christians. No, there's only one church. There's only one Lord. There's only one Savior. We only have one baptism. And if you've been baptized and you're still continuing to live under the false uh, understanding of who you are in Christ, you just got wet. What was the definition of a person who's been baptized and not really being converted? A wet sinner. Thirdly, we unite in our boasting. Well, pastor... The word boasting is contrary to humility, not in the Bible, okay? In the Bible, we are allowed to boast. And you should say amen to that. But we should boast, what? On Christ dying on the cross for us, right? 1 Corinthians 2, 1, Paul writes, For I decided to know nothing among you except Jesus Christ and Him crucified. And again, in 1 Corinthians 1.31, he said, so, that, so as it is written, let him who boasts, boast in the Lord. Humility and boasting sounds like contrary terms, but biblically speaking, we are to boast in the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus. Okay? This is not just an attitude we adapt. Okay, humility is not just an attitude we adapt because it's a good thing to be or the right thing to be. Okay, to a Christian, 
Humility has some intelligence to it. We understand why we need to practice humility, why we need to be, okay? It's not just about uh, being humble for being humble sick. A lot of pagans, a lot of people who don't even know Jesus or even acknowledge God can be humble. So for us, it has to be different. Humility to us is more than just copying the example of Jesus or, or saying to ourselves, oh, I need to be humble because that's what a good person does. Did you know that humility is both a calling and a commandment from the Lord? We need to stop looking at this as just something that, um, you know, that we have to be or we have to develop in us. I, it has to take uh, the, the level of a calling, okay, the level of a commandment. So that it will bring us to that place. So the Spirit of God can, in fact, move in our hearts because we are obedient to what we are being taken through. It's not an option. It's not a desire. It's a call we receive from God. When, when, and when we look at it that way, we will never look at ourselves higher than anyone else. Because we all are obeying the same command. Amen? You know, because I stand up here means I have reached a certain level of sanctification or a certain level or degree of authority on anybody. You are equally responsible for developing this Christianity in your life. I'm a tool, just like everybody else here. It's a tool of the Holy Spirit to bring about the church harmony and unity. But at the end of the day, this is our responsibility. No one can make you humble. The Holy Spirit's going to speak to you and I, and he's going to lead us. He's going he's gonna to operate in us, but we need to cooperate with what he's trying to do. Uh, a question will arise, well, pastor, wh what do you mean I need to be humble and look at myself uh, lower than other people? Does that mean I need to be self-deprecating? Of course not. Humility has nothing to do with self-deprecation. Do I have to develop low self-esteem? You know, that's a big word that, that Christian toss around. If you're a Christian, that vocabulary, self-esteem, should be out of your vocabulary. You know what the Bible says about self-esteem? Nothing. It says nothing about self-esteem, whether you're going to have a high one or a low one. The Bible talks about esteeming God and esteeming other people. But it, has, it, it, not, it says nothing about having a better self-esteem. If you have the Spirit of God, if you're born again, if you have been redeemed, if you are, have a new nature, whatever you call self-esteem, it's built in there. It's called godliness. That's what the Bible speaks about. Well, Pastor, does that mean I can't believe in myself? Yeah, it's a big word. Yeah, you can do almost anything if you just believe in yourself. I have a problem with statements like that. Not, not because it's necessarily wrong or it's not beneficial, but because it removes the superintendence of the Spirit in the way we think, live, and move. But the Bible clearly says, in Him we live and move and have our being. So this, this thing about uh, believe in yourself and you'll accomplish anything you want, you know, it's kind of true, but if you're a Christian, you need to kind of tamper it down and put it in its right place and that is to acknowledge that without Jesus without the spirit we can do nothing that's what the scripture teaches you don't 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 get mad at the mailman i'm just delivering the mail so to speak 
Well, what if it's true? What if I'm a better person than another person? What if I'm more intelligent than another person? How, how could I possibly deny the fact that God made me more advanced than another person? Well, guess what? It shouldn't come from you. If you think you're better than another person, what the Bible teaches is it should come from God. Let somebody else say it or let somebody else affirm you, but it shouldn't come from you because when it comes from you, it's no longer humility, it's now pride. You remember that pastor, right? The pastor whom his church gave him a trophy for humility and then the moment he received it, they took it back. Because we're not supposed to be that type of people. Paul writes, Therefore, a prisoner for the Lord, I urge you to walk in a manner worthy of your calling. This is a calling to which you have been called with all humility and gentleness, with patience, bearing with one another in love, eager to maintain the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. There is one body and one Spirit, just as you were called to one hope that belongs to your call, and one Lord, one faith, one baptism. Thinking of ourselves better than another person uh, uh, is not uh, something that we need to pursue. It's something that we need to set aside. When we want to boast, let's boast about the new birth, the new lease on life that we have been called. We have been commanded not to be self-deprecating, but we're commanded to self-sacrifice. And if it means, you know, kind of setting that pride, killing that pride, and saying, yeah, I may, I may be more advanced than you, but because I'm a Christian, I'm going to, you know, put that to death. I'm going to set that aside, and I'm going to go and take you and be with you in fellowship, in true humility. Which leads us to the final point this morning, and that is humility is a natural reflection of Christ's honor. One of the most powerful verses in the Bible, verses 5 to 11. Paul writes this, In your relationships with one another, have the same mindset as Christ. Jesus, who being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness, and being found in appearance as a man. He humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. Therefore, God exalted him in the highest place and gave him the name that is above every name, and that the name of Jesus every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth. And every tongue will acknowledge, will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Jesus is the God-man. He's fully God and fully man. He's one person with two natures. He's, he has a divine nature and he has a human nature. We cannot reflect his divine nature. We can only reflect his human nature. And I know a lot of people think, a lot of Christians even within the church think that, oh, we are supposed to be a reflection of Jesus in his fullness. No, get away from that. We're not supposed to reflect the 
divine nature of Jesus, just his human nature. He is one of a kind. He's one person. He's unique, but with two natures, okay? One of the attributes that we can reflect, in fact, the central attribute we're commanded to reflect about Jesus was his human attribute of humility. It's right there. To reflect Jesus in this world, we need to reflect his humility. Now, why is that important? Because it's key to what's going to happen to us when we get rewarded in heaven. Okay? There's a lot more at stake than just making it through this life. I'm a firm believer that the rest of the life that we, la that we have, after we receive Jesus as Lord and Savior, I'm not working on anything else but getting a reward when I get to heaven. That's why I'm preaching here this morning. That's why I come to church on Sunday. That's why I tolerate the worship singing. I'm, I'm kidding. That's why I, uh, you know, I'm not saying anything about anything. That's why I'm, I'm, I'm on this journey because I'm expecting a reward when I get there. Okay? Uh, I don't know what it's going to be like, but uh, they talk about mansions in heaven. I want a mansion in heaven, okay? I, wanna, I want a nice car in heaven if there's such thing in heaven. I don't want a skateboard. I want, <laughs> I want a car. If, if that were true, I don't know. But if, if heaven is what Jesus said it's going to be, and that is the abode where his presence and his majesty and his, his fulfillment is, I'm working on that. Okay? And humility is the key to that. Okay? Not any kind of achievement. You know, some people think, oh, yeah, we need to accomplish great things for God. Let's accept it. There will be some people who will be given bigger tasks by God. Okay? All right? There will be people who are called to be, to give more sacrifices by God. Okay? But we need to learn the fact that whatever God has called us to fulfill, we need to humbly fulfill it because fulfillment is relative, okay? You can, you can read that in the parables of Jesus, okay? Some has been given uh, ten talents, some five, some two. The idea is we need to be faithful and humble enough to receive what God has given us in a way of calling in this life. I've got a pastor... Uh, told me one time, you know, you've been at it for so long. I mean, I've been at this for over 30 years. <laughs> I'm still 37. That's how I, I, I can't figure out how that works. And he keeps telling me, if you would just do this or do that, then your church would be big. You wouldn't have room and people are going to come and all of that. And you know what? No pastor would like to see his church uh, die. Or, or dwindle. No, no pastor, let's, let's face that. But I came to realize after so many years of ministry that faithfulness and humility is necessary because I'm expecting a reward relative to the fulfillment that I'm going to have when I get there. All right? And that's our trajectory. That's our aim. That's how we get blessings from God. Okay? Why was Jesus... Glorified and exalted. Jesus, I mean, if you think about it this morning, Jesus was not exalted because of the great miracles he performed. You know? According to our scriptures, Jesus is God. It's not a big deal to him to raise the dead. It wasn't going to be a big deal for him to heal the sick. It wasn't going to be a big deal to him to multiply bread, walk on water, calm the storm. None of that is a big deal. He didn't need that to be exalted. He knew that already. 
He knew he was God. Some people say he was exalted because of the great, uh, powerful words that he proclaimed. Well, he is God. What do you expect? What does Jesus expect for himself? He expects full wisdom. He expected to be the wisest person and the most spiritual person, but he wasn't exalted because of the great things that he said. Not that they're not important. Of course, they are. They're the words of Jesus. He, he was not exalted simply because of the great uh, promises of, of heaven and judgment that he proclaimed to people. Not even in his great acts of kindness. No, the Bible says he was exalted and had been given above every name because knowing that he is God, he didn't use it to his advantage and dealt with all of us that way. In fact, he took on a, a, a form of a servant. He, he became a servant and he even died on the cross. That's humility. And the Bible said that he was exalted and has been given a name above every name because in his human side, he humbled himself. Can you imagine God bowing down and doing, and doing that? That's why he's exalted. And you know what? I have this inkling feeling that if we follow that example, we're going to be brought up by God. Maybe not in this earth, but certainly in the life to come, we will receive the reward that he has promised to us. Paul writes, Therefore be imitators of God as beloved children and walk in love as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us as a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. That's what we give to God. A humility is an aroma that, that God savors in us. The sacrifices of a man that God accepts is a broken spirit and a contrite heart. Humility is one of those things that God will savor. And it's a sure way to be blessed in life. Proverbs 22 verse 4 says, Humility is the fear of the Lord. Its wages are riches and honor and life. Nice and beautiful verse. In closing, I had, a, I had a privilege of visiting one of the most holy and sacred places in all of Christianity. I had a chance to, to visit uh, the Church of the Nativity in Beth Bethlehem. It was a large basilica. You know those, these churches in the Holy Land? They're so large. They have churches inside the church. And look at us. We have a church and we're outside. <laughs> but these churches are large. Okay, and when you, you know, inside there's a, there's a spot there where there's a chapel and it's supposed to be the spot where Jesus was born. And so you can imagine how sacred that, that structure is. So on, on our way uh, to that church, you know, we, we saw these huge double doors, huge big doors. And, you know, coming from America, when you see a big door, you go and enter it. So we went there, and the attendant at the front told us, oh, no, 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 this is the exit. You need to go to the entrance. Big double doors, wide. You know. And so the fascinating thing is, and we found the entrance. It's on the side of a church, and it's a three feet wide by four feet high door. And I said, something's wrong with the architect. So, <laughs> so when we went there, when I went there, I asked the attendant, so what's the deal? You know, unless I'm, I'm, I'm a short person under four feet tall and skinny, 
I won't be able to, to get in. And what's the idea behind this? And, and the man says, this is one of the most sacred places in Christianity. And we want to make sure that anyone who enters it, enters it bowing. I didn't argue because that's a perfect picture of how we come to Jesus. You can't come to Jesus in your full height. You can't come to Jesus any other way but to bow down. The only way to enter the kingdom of God is with humility. All of us, all of us will bow down anyway. So I challenge even those of you who are watching, if you don't know the Lord Jesus, you're going to bow down to him anyway. So I encourage you to bow to him now. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.